most golfers would like to be able to play where the pros have played. Sadly, we're not going to get on the PGA Tour, not with our skill set. However, you can still play where your heroes have played if you put in a bit of time and effort. This podcast encourages you to follow in the footsteps of giants. Good evening and welcome back to another episode of In the Footsteps of Giants, a podcast that discusses all things golf and encourages our listeners to get out and play the courses where the pros play. Now, the last week in golf has been, well, pretty much a golf nerd's nirvana with some great golf to watch, plus the release of the behind-the-scenes look at the 2022 season on the PGA Tour, officially titled Full Swing and shot through the lens of the team that brought you Drive to Survive. Uh, The Netflix ratings have appeared very strong, as the series has been devoured by avid golf fans. But did it really tell us anything that we didn't know already? Was the wait for full swing worth it? Or in reality, was the content somewhat overhyped? Now, tonight, we are recording in the Langer Suite which is one of our oldest yet most consistently productive studios here at the Itfog HQ. And I'm joined in the studio by my usual longtime pal and collaborator, Des. Evening, Des. Good evening, Martin. And um, just looking across the studio, and we have young blood in again. We do. We, we try to bring yeah. in somebody different every so often. But wait, so. but wait. It's not young Mike. It's not young Mike. No. In fact, it's younger than young Mike. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I so believe, yeah. So we might have to call him young, young. Okay. Uh, that's okay. But yeah. We, yeah. we can do that. We would find that funny, but maybe his demographic wouldn't. No, no, that's right. So we needed a second opinion because you and I are both men of a certain age and a certain vintage and we'll have certain preconceived yes. notions, especially around full swing. But uh, what we decided to do was bring in, uh, again, somebody to replace young Mike. Don't worry just for this episode, Um, but young Mike needn't get too panicked. And so we brought in Mark, who has joined us. He's a casual golfer with an interest in also what's going on in the world of golf, but hasn't yet had the opportunity to express all his views. So good evening to you, Mark. Good evening, guys. How are you? Good evening. And I'd, I'd have to own up at this point fairly early in the podcast that I know young Mark pretty well. He's, he's a good looking guy. Like, well, I I don't know where that came from. His mum. I'm hoping yeah. so. Uh-huh. I'm hoping so. Yes. Um, <laughs> so. So you are related to young Mark? Well, uh, to the best of my knowledge, I'm yeah, related okay. to uh, young, young Mark. A bit of a shock if we weren't at this yeah, point. Yeah, it would yes. be at this stage. So yes. young, young, young Mark, as we'll refer to him all the way through and see if we can keep uh-huh. that up. <laughs> it's, I wonder how long before even we'll get uh. bored with that joke. Okay, but before we get to discussing full swing, we need to catch up on some of the big golfing headlines from the last few days. Now... It's a tough decision to know where to start this week, but I decided mm. we would start with seniority. Yeah. So Bernhard Langer wins for the 45th time on the Champions Tour and ties Hale Irwin's record of wins. Mm-hmm. Now, Bernhard won by beating Podrick Harrington and Steve Stricker into second place. And a high-caliber field of golfing notables and major winners trailed in his wake, which included 
Justin Leonard, Fred Couples, and Ernie Els, who all made the top ten. Oh, very good. So, I mean, Langer continues to do it. Yeah, oh, he's unbelievable. But I mean, and he shot better than his age. Yeah, well, I, that's one of the, not one of the, the the priorities of golf is that you got to try and shoot your age or better. Uh, but I've done it over nine holes when I was a bit younger. <laughs> I don't know. Did you see his interview at the end? Uh, I saw a little bit of it. I didn't see the whole it was interview. Very, very touching about how he said that he nearly lost his life when he was very young, and uh, but he 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 still looks so fit. He's unbelievable. He's, uh, and it, he hasn't a pound of fat on him at all. He's just so, so he is a racing whippet, oh, as we say in these parts. But he was very touched actually in his interview at the end there, and uh, had a little tear. Do you know, very interestingly, I, I started to do a little bit of research. I am not convinced that he's not now the winningest player of all time. Yeah. If you take his seniors <clears throat> wins <throat> and his PGA and okay, European be. tour, he's he right be. right up there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's over 90 wins, I believe, worldwide. Yeah, yeah. Now, Bernard Langer won $270,000. For his win on the Champions Tour, which isn't bad money. No, no. You would take no. it. You, uh-huh. would, you would. If you could win $270,000, I think we'd both be quite happy. Yeah. It's, it would be more than I've ever won in the game of golf, to be fair. <laughs> it would be more than Des and I in an entire career. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I've ever won. But, so that takes us across, you see, in that, that comparison. John Ram wins again. Mm-hmm. He's won five of his last nine outings. Yeah. He won at Riviera and pocketed $3.6 million uh-huh. for a win. <laughs> so if you look at Langer's 270000 and John Ram wins yes, yes. $3.6 million, um, our, our fan favourite, Max Homa, uh-huh. was runner-up and picked up a very cool $2.18 million yes. just for second. For second, that that's amazing. And here is my first one. I've actually written on the notes for the first time ever. Stat alert. Oh. It's as if it's an important aspect of what we do, but the stat alert. Uh, John Ram has earned more money this season already, $9.8 million, uh-huh. than all but nine golfers have ever won in a single season in PGA Tour history. Yeah, that's amazing. And as, as somebody pointed out, we're still two months away from the first major. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Of the year. What, what would you say is the reason for that? Is that a reaction to live oh, coming in? Absolutely. It's definitely the reaction absolutely. to live and the uh, elevated purses. Yeah, the pressure that's been put on. Oh, uh, that was the second week Jay in a row. Man, that was yep. a $20 million purse yeah, last yep, week yep, at Riviera. Yep. Now, as a comparison, I'll just finish this bit first and then we'll go back to Riviera because I think that's <clears throat> a, an interesting debate. As a comparison to the Champions Tour, Danny Willett and Lee Hodges tied 18th at Riviera. Yeah. So that's the 18th and 19th money put together, Mm -hmm. effectively. So Danny Willett and Lee Hodges each earned $295,000 for being tied 18th. Uh, And Langer wins wins two seventy for winning. But I I would even say, and I don't have them on hand, but the the, the winning purses in the ladies' golf now would probably top Langer. Oh, absolutely. It is vaguely possible, Des. We'll get to that in a minute. Oh, okay. It is vaguely possible. The synergy between you two is just outstanding. Well, you see, the one thing our listeners like to know is this is not rehearsed. This is a conversation between mates about golf. And, uh, you know, we're never quite sure where it's going to go. No. But we have have a rough idea. Now, Tiger played all four days. Did. And that was, and finished in a tie for 45th. Mm-hmm. He earned $59,560 <laughs> for tied 45th. 
but you know the biggest story. He was definitely the biggest story of the week. I don't oh, know how much of the how much of the coverage did you see? Oh, we did. I saw quite a lot of it actually. I, I watched a lot of it, and and I mean. Is it is it because it was Tiger? I keep asking myself why. Well, I was on holiday, sorry as well, which helped. Uh, that's the most watched uh, golf tournament I probably in, in the last couple of years. And I think a lot of it was I wanted to see Tiger and I wanted to see how fit he is. Would he make the cut? When he made the cut, I said to myself, "Can he do another thirty six holes?" And he did look very tired on the last the last but the, round. But he but played in the pro am. They yeah, put him out right. in the program. That's right. That's right. So five days of golf. So he played five straight days on a course yep. that has a yep. huge hill down from the first and a huge hill back up. That's right. To get up off eighteen. But even then, I watched him walking up the steps at eighteen on the, on on Sunday evening, and he still looked okay. He looked still real, relatively fit. I think he puts on an immense. He, he hides his pain very, very. well. He does, doesn't he? He's very incredible. Well. He's yeah. incredible at what the, he does. The mental resilience is his biggest quality. Yep. Yeah, yeah. But they were saying his ball speed on the first three days was right up equivalent to and better than a lot of the pros out there playing. And they're going, how is he doing that on half a leg, one and a half legs? Yeah. As they and described it. Do you know, you would think if you've got sort of only one and a half legs, you wouldn't carry so much in your pocket that you didn't need. Oh, no, you wouldn't. Definitely yeah. wouldn't. Uh, when he when he out drove, <laughs> when he out, did you see that? Yeah, no, yeah, and we're not yes. that joke. We're not no, going to. We are I going to ignore that completely. That's a joke between two mates. I showed my wife that. Oh, uh, I bet you that went down well. It. She was disgusted. So and I, and he did uh, apologize. Uh, well, profusely. he he apologized yeah. in a way that sort of said, "And look, Des, you and I've been on a golf course many, many uh-huh. times. The jokes that have passed between our group of oh, mates yeah. over the oh, years yeah. are not always appropriate." <laughs> but uh, he just happened to get caught, and he didn't even do it so overtly. That's no. a cameraman yeah. zooming in and catching uh-huh. something. Uh-huh. It wasn't that he set out to offend people. <laughs> it's a joke between mates, but yes. probably uh, you should leave that one alone. Uh, which is what I thought we were doing until I went and spoke a little too much about it. But Uh anyway, will he play again before the Masters? There's a lot of suggestion that he might now play another PGA Tour event to get himself fired up. Yes, that's that. that, uh, If he was going to play one, he'll go. You'd think he's going to go to the Players' Championship. Yes, yes. Um, I, and I mean, Sawgrass, which... Fortunately, we have played. Actually, is not hilly. It's not. It's, it's there's a couple of slight climbs in it. Uh, yeah, but, but it's, it's, it's not, not a. It's not, not a, a hilly course. So no. I think yes, the players it probably could be his next uh, uh, outing. Yeah, can he win again? What do you reckon? I personally don't think Tiger keeps playing unless he believes he can win. Oh no, he again. believes he can win. Um, utterly convinced on that point. But can he win? Are we sitting here going? I mean, I will not bet against him. No. So no. I suppose it doesn't it boil down to if it's on the final day and he's in wearing his red shirt as he mm-hmm. always wears, mm-hmm. the mental pressure that exerts on other golfers yes. as well, who will then drop shots as we saw at the Masters back when he won, etc. That's right. They they folded. They yes, folded yep. the minute he yep. was there, they folded. So if he can get himself obviously at in a position in day four, then you're probably in a situation where anything can happen, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. The only way he wins a, a major in my view, is the Masters. <laughs> yes, he's That's, got, he's well, got, it's got so he's much got, knowledge there. Yes, and, and it's the smallest crowd. It's a, yeah, and it's the smallest field. There's, there's, uh, is there what, there are about 80 goes to the Masters instead of about 150, 160 yeah. and the others. And, I mean, really, there's only the top 50 
goes to the Masters because the others are invites and yeah. people who had won it and they're in their 60s and 70s. So, yeah, I think the Masters. Youngsters, is, as we like to call them yeah, these days. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the Nordic Walkers, yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that got a lot of reaction after last week. Did I, it? I got yeah. more. C- no. <laughs> Nothing at all. <laughs> Do you see the point that uh, Des was making on Tiger? Like, for me, it was the same. I hadn't picked up any of the the tournament over the weekend, but then I was scrolling through my phone and on social media. That's I think what it was youngsters on, do. Yes, you can refer to me as a youngster all you want. I'm not as young, young as you're making out, but. Um, it was actually, I think it was the PGA Tour on Twitter, just their official feed. All they put up was Sunday Red, and it was a video of Tiger walking out of the pavilion in his red shirt. Yes. And then that all of a sudden, I turn on the TV, onto Sky Sports, and then start watching it as a result. So he's still, he's, as we know, the biggest draw in yeah. golf, but yeah. Yeah. he pulls in the casual viewers like me. Well, I, I think playing. that's a very strong point because we've been saying it for years. Nobody moves the needle like Tiger. No, no, no. And even now, even though we know he's injured, even though we know that he's not, yes, he's yes. a shadow of his former self, and I, and we still want to see him. Yeah, and a lot of people were talking about the timing of his comeback and, and, and you know, to, to show up live and everything, etc. But I, I don't think so. I think he was genuinely, that's his foundation, uh, Riviera. I think he was always going to be there. He was going to, well, he was always but going to be the there. The fact that he could play. But he played was the big Because I'd never heard of Tiger in my life playing a pro am. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he obviously went out because of the foundation. Yes. Uh, yes. On, on the pro am, because you would think he would at the moment certainly be saving himself for the four days of competition. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to Riviera for a second. And, and Mark, you may not know as much about this depending on how much you watched. People talk about Riviera as one of the great, great courses on the PGA Tour. And I think it's because yeah. it's there every year and people get used to it. But I don't get it. I, I get it. It's yeah. a good golf course and yeah. they enjoy it. But it's not a televisual feast. Yeah. It's not like well, Sawgrass or even the Waste Management or some of these others where there's there's, it, it, there's something about it. A lot of it's quite Say me. Yes, actually, it's funny you bring that up because I don't know if you, you'll probably remember a podcast I did on a, a Caddy's Corner where I was caddying for this American. And he's, I remember his name was Jason. He he had he had a lovely draw and and, and it was the fifteenth at our glass. If anybody knows our glass, uh, slight dog leg left, um, par five, mm-hmm. white pillar on the left, just where the line of the out of bounds, and I told him to. Hit it to the bunkers on the right with his little draw, and it'll come perfect into the center. But he hit it right down to the pillar, nearly out of bounds. And I said to him, I says, or, or, or you can take the tiger line. And it was then he said to me, he says, I've played golf with Tiger. I remember you. Do you remember this? the story? Yes, I do remember the story. What it was, he was. It turns out he was a, he was an accountant. They have a different name for it in America, but uh, basically, and he was on Tiger's Foundation board and what they do he says every quarter they have a meeting and they have a meeting sort of like from eight to one and then in the afternoon they go out and play golf so he gets four rounds of golf with 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 tiger but sorry going back to i said what's riviera like to him uh, because what he, what he also sorry said did you notice the starters there was little a few a young girl and there was a young boy oh, I, I saw that a couple of younger people were yes. introducing i thought those were one offs maybe on the program i didn't I, see I, that no no that was they, 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 this is what they did and this is what he said uh, tiger allowed him to do is to um start all the guys off on thursday 
uh, announcing them off the tee box. Yeah. But, sorry, going back to the point, um, he said, uh, we were talking about American golf courses we had played, you know, and he said, oh, you got to play Riviera, he says, because it is recognised as sort of one of the top courses in America. I, and I understand that, and I've heard the guys at No Laying Up wax yeah. lyrical about it, and they said, you know, we, we definitely have to have a tournament there every year, but I'm watching that tournament, and if it wasn't for the fact that I was actually fairly engaged with the players who were yep. trying to win the tournament... I wasn't hugely engaged by the course going, oh, you know what's happening? They've got yeah. 16 to play. Yes. Oh, yeah, well, know, 17, yeah. there's disaster waiting around the corner. Uh-huh. None of that. And I have watched Riviera over the years many mm-hmm. times, and it does not yet stick in my head as a course no, no. with a whole pile of memorable holes. And I think we'll always be biased playing Sawgrass and, and Scottsdale. And, and I'm lucky enough, as you know, I've played, played a few Ocean, more, yeah. Ocean Course, Kiowa, Whistling Straits. Yes. Uh, you know, yeah. Medina, and if, you know, I, I look at it on TV, mm-hmm. and if somebody said, "Would you like to go play Riviera, or would you like another run out at Sawgrass?" I think, young young Mark, this is a task you'll have to get your daddy out to Riviera. Well, if he's willing to take me, I'll go and play. <laughs> I certainly don't have as much potential apathy towards it that he seems to have. No, it's not. But, it's not apathy. It's just not yeah, huge yeah. excitement towards it. Well, it, to flip your question then. What do you what, what more do you want from it? Do you think the holes aren't spectacular enough in terms of how they look? Would you prefer them to be tougher? Do you think it's too easy, of course? Well, there's what? a very good debate on that. There's two holes, the fourth and the tenth, that the players said were really, really difficult. And Rory didn't like them. He said, no, it's just, the tenth is just horrible. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can't lay up properly and play onto the green. And if you go for the green, it, it, disaster yeah. lurks. Yeah. Now, Strangely enough, those are the two holes that would interest me most. Yes, yeah, <laughs> risk and reward. Yeah. Risk and reward, potential uh-huh. for disaster, etc., yes. etc. Et it's some of the other stuff that's in between yeah. that I'm yeah. looking at going, what is that? That's another kind of slightly dogleg par four. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. what's coming up next? Another slightly dogleg par four. Yeah. You know, th- those things did, didn't didn't really that, excite me. I mean, that tenth hole is is a, a good hole, and when, especially when the there's pin a lot was of debate. The there's a lot of debate. When the pin was at the back, it was too difficult. Yes, yeah. But when the pin was at the front, there was um, so. there were a few things that took on. I mean, I think it was John Ram on about sixteen on the par three hit the most spectacular iron that was pin perfect. He made birdie, yes, and that yes. was really where the tournament finally turned in his favour. But I mean, he is on fire at the moment. Yeah, well, of course he is. Yeah, and I yeah. actually heard on one of the other podcasts, the No Laying Up podcast, um, one of the guys said, is it now unrealistic to say that John Ram could win the Grand Slam this year? He could win four straight majors. <laughs> and the other boys burst out laughing and said, yeah. well, no, it is technically possible. Yes. It's just yes. very hard to win one, yes. let yes. alone two, yes. let alone three in a row, let alone four in a row. But you know, but who else could do it? Look at Scotty Scheffler last year. The start yeah. he had, he yeah. had a John Rand start, and then it just faded in, into the this is second my, half. My thing so, is, we all know, you know, a day's coming where it all doesn't come together. Yep, yep. And he's played spectacularly well. His scoring mm-hmm. average is insane at the moment. Yeah. But I can he keep it going? This is the big question. Yeah. Now, don't forget in our prediction show. Yeah, one of the things we we said was we both have John Ram to win a major That's this right. year. That's right. But and one of my predictions, if you remember, was I only gave three names because I said somebody would win twice. Oh well, yes, yes. You know, because that was me being just yeah, yeah. 
confrontational just being smart. Just being smart. Okay, being smart. And, okay. I, and I have to say, there's a lovely smirk on Martin's son beside me here. Well, that, when, that's, I, when it, I said you're being smart. It's, uh, yeah, he, li- he likes you insulting I me. What can I, I say? He, he might even know you better than I do, Martin. I and think he a, does. That's a call. I think he does. Hold on. He's, he's only known you for 33 years. That's true. Yeah. No. You do probably know him better than me then. Possibly. In terms of possibly. length of time. Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't really want to debate that at length. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm looking at the amount of time we take on these podcasts. But it was, anyway. a, it was, it was a good viewing, uh, the Genesis. And I mean, I, I thought the Enjoyed back nine it. was such good viewing. Because, I mean, Ram was, he started, what, three ahead or something? And, and, and was ahead. And then, then was then even. Homer caught him at, was it the 15th? He caught him. And then, yeah. Yeah. And Ram decided he'd. Just stretch away. And did you see Max was fairly emotional afterwards that uh, he hadn't quite delivered on it? That's the first time Max has been in contention uh-huh. and not actually made it over the line. Yes, That's Cal- his first ever second place. Ah, And of course he is a Californian boy. Yeah. And yeah. so it was. it's his favourite tournament of the year. He, he openly states that. Yes. Okay, very quickly running through a couple of the other results from the weekend. Uh, Thorbjorn Olsen won the Thailand Classic on minus 24, which was a seemingly very comfortable four-shot winning margin. Thorbjorn wins 319,738 euros <laughs> uh, for his win, more which iron. is under 10% of what John Ram won at Riviera. Yes. You can see now why entry to these designated events yes, is yes. incredibly important. Making it into yeah. the top 50 yep. is incredibly important. The amount mm-hmm. of money. Like, however, the one thing I, I most noticed about that uh, Thailand course, the floating 17th green. Yes, I saw that. That yes. you go out to in a boat. <laughs> yes, yes. And they can move it closer or further uh-huh. away, the green. Yes. So they can keep the same tees. They just, they just move the whole green. <laughs> there's, there's not a huge amount of room either side of that. There's a tiny bit of rough maybe on one side, but it's pretty oh, much no. just the yeah. green itself. Oh, it's an island. It's yeah, flat out yeah. an island and you go out in a boat and back. You have to assume that's not the most efficient way in a tournament. <laughs> no, oh, we know, you have we to know. think that's going to slow things up just a little. Possibly, yeah. Possibly. Or maybe you stand in the dock on the far side while people hit their next shots and then you come back in and they uh, go out. I, I don't know because I didn't watch what because was the of the timings. It, you know? I think they could move it, but I think yeah. it was more, it was in the 150 to 180 yeah. range. I thought it was the sort of the 140 to 150, yeah. sort, of the, the, the sort of the short part three that every yeah. golf course But it looked have. more intimidating in some ways than, than even Seventeen at Sawgrass looks. Mm-hmm. Yes, you yeah. know, yeah. It, it just somehow looked more because I think it was the green was in a much bigger yes. element of water. Whereas at Sawgrass, yes, you can see the water all around the green, yeah, but, but there's a back to it as well. A back on to Sawgrass, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. okay, Lydia Ko wins the Aramco Series event in Saudi Arabia, earning seven hundred and one thousand three hundred eighty-five dollars. So that's, that's over twice Langer's win. Yep. Now that was a five million dollar purse. For the ladies, which is the same amount of money as was in the purse for the men's Saudi International a couple of weeks ago. Okay. The top 11 ladies all earned over $100,000. Yeah, yeah. And then on the, I think this is the one we do have to mention just on the way past, Andy Ogletree won the Asian Tour International Series event in Qatar, and he lifted $450,000 as his share of a $2.5 million purse. Now, although there were only four players in that who took home over 100K, Andy Ogletree is one of the guys who went last year to live and then was kind of dropped off the live. Oh, yes. So, yes but he's yes. now won twice on the Asian tour. Mm. And so he's he's find, trying to find a place to play. Yeah. 
But he, he's actually making some progress, having done absolutely nothing and then mm. being dropped by Liv. Yes, yes. And just on that very point, uh, and I will come back to, to Liv in a second, an idea they floated this week. Did you hear the idea that they floated that each team will only have three permanent members? Yes, I saw this. And then they will have a pool of players, maybe 20 players, who will be in the room the day before the tournament starts. Oh, dear, dear, and you will dear. draft you will draft your fourth player okay. for each thing. So suddenly the, the guaranteed 48 slots are yeah. actually 36. Yeah, yeah. There's only 12 teams, yeah. So yeah, they, they, yeah, the various yeah. things. And if you don't get picked, I mean, it, it reminds me of when we were growing up, which is, Tallest on the left, yeah. shortest on the right. <laughs> you pick your guys, and if you're not picked, yes, pick your team. I'm presuming they're paid a, a fee for turning up. Yeah, yeah, they would have to be twenty five, yeah, thirty thousand yeah. dollars just for turning up, and but you're not playing that week because yeah. you don't have time at that point to head back and go play somewhere else on the agent well, tour. Just on live, did you hear who's confirmed? Oh yes, well we, that's that's my very next note. Is it my very it next is. note? Is okay, Thomas, Thomas Peters, Mito Pereira, Sebastian Munoz. Dean Burmester and Brendan Steele. And Danny Lee. And well, I'd forgotten Danny, Danny Lee, actually. Yes, that, that's yes, new. Yes. And they've all signed with Live Golf prior to this week's season opener at Mayakoba. Uh-huh. Now, I have a question here for you both. And I mean, Mark may have a lesser view on this than, than we do. Yes. Which of those are you going to miss? Which, Which of those are you going to miss from the tours they currently play on? Yeah. We've talked yeah, about Mito yeah, Pereira for yeah, a while. No. Thomas Peters, world number 34. 35, actually, I have him down as... Oh, you have him uh, 35, I have but, him 34. Uh, do you know, and it was funny, he was in uh, the uh, Full Swing uh, documentary. He was, he was sharing uh, a house with Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, that's right, that's right, and I thought... But did you hear which team actually he's joining? Oh no, who's he you gone know, to? He's going to Bubba's team, the Watson Range Goats. I know, oh, don't start <laughs> me. The, the team names are... Interesting to say Aren't the they? least, don't they? Well, you, you come you seen from a ad? marketing background as well. You've you had a, some marketing experience. Have you seen the team names? Are are you inspired by the team names? I think the team names are targeted at a very very young demographic in terms of the way they are portrayed. The marketing campaign. Did you see? It's all over their social media this week, and it's the it's the advert of the. I think it's a young girl. girl yes, asking. Who's in what team, and it starts with Mickelson, and then uh-huh. works its way through. That's right. I did through I all the teams. I think it's one of the cringiest things I've seen. In well, a they're long obviously time. they're trying to be different. They're trying to be different from a yeah. branding perspective, yes, and what they're trying yes. to do is not get necessarily kids to like live. They're getting them to support a team, which ultimately is within live. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's yeah, the direction yeah, they're going. Yeah. So, from a marketing point of view, it's probably quite smart. I mean, you've called me young, young Mark here. It doesn't appeal to me no. and probably my generation, but I would say what they're trying to do is they're trying to target the 18 to 21 to 25 demographic. And yet they're they're advertising it using a, a young girl who must be 10. Yes. Uh-huh. And unless, at last view, unless I'm mistaken here, that demographic spend remarkably little on golf. <laughs> they do, but they spend a lot of time on social media, which is where ultimately all yes. their marketing's going. So, we had a comment in the, in the last podcast about how many shirts they have to sell mm-hmm. if they're going mm-hmm. to make their money off merchandise. Yeah. And it, it's just not a business model. $25 shirts? It, it, yeah. $25 shirts. There won't be $25. No. But, I mean, but they've got mil- they have to sell millions and millions to, to have any chance. What has been interesting, I, look, I looked it up before I came over, and Greg Norman is dropping more and more off their social media presence, if you look at it. Probably ah, because yeah. 
they know how controversial a figure he is. Yes. And I would say they are trying to, you know, you see Mickelson, Poulter, people like that, Bubba Watson front and center now. Uh-huh. So he, I'm not saying he's fading into the background by any stretch of the imagination, but I would no. say they know when to pull him out and when not to, and they know the negative impact yes. he can have on their marketing. Yes. Oh, I, I, we're firmly of the opinion that Greg will not see out this year. No, uh, no, Martin of, is firmly of the opinion. No, no, I'm firmly of the opinion Liv won't make it out of this year, ah, but okay. we have debated as well yes, whether yes, Greg yes. will get out as CEO yeah. out of the year. Yeah. And that little girl, actually, she was on another little video, um, which obviously set up again with Sergio coming out. And, uh, is she the one that, that keeps turning up that apparently has been used twice and they yes, said if yes. you're going to keep pretending you're getting fans you have to sign for <laughs> stop using the same little girl <laughs> exactly I, I actually did uh, see that but I didn't realise it was sad. the same girl it was the same I wonder girl. is she in the pool of players that can be she drafted be. into a team she could be in Bubba's team yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay the player dispersion signals that Liv may well push towards a more international events because if you take a look at the players that are starting to go, and mm-hmm. you know, Mito Pereira yep. and Munoz are, are come from a South American yeah, Sebastian background. Munoz, yeah. Peters comes from Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, Dean Burmester is is he not South African? He's a, he's South African. You're right. Yep. So they they are now pushing, and you know, one of the things they have said is that the Australian event has actually sold out its ticket allocation, genuinely sold oh, out its okay. ticket allocation, 60,000 tickets. Right. So that's 20,000 a day for three days. Mm-hmm. Now, just remember, Phoenix, Waste yes. Management Open, signed, <laughs> sold out over 200,000 for a single day. Yeah. Now, but that's their maximum and, and, at the and moment. over 10 times uh, over the four days. Oh, yeah. So they would have, they had over 700,000 yeah. at, at Phoenix, yeah. and they'll have 60,000. But that is progress but i do believe it's because australia has not had a major pro event and these guys going there yeah. you've got dustin yeah. johnson brooks kepka yeah. bryson dechambeau cameron Bill smith Mickelson, cameron smith yes. mark leishman yes they're actually going to go and play so i i do understand why they're selling tickets in in australia mm-hmm. but here is the live 2023 schedule starts this week at mayakoba then it goes to tucson orlando australia singapore oklahoma dc Trump course, mm-hmm. Valderrama, Centurion, Greenbrier, Bedminster, Trump, mm-hmm. Rich Harvest Farms, Dural, Trump, mm-hmm. and Jeddah. So the vast majority of their tour is in the United States of yeah. America. Yeah. So as being a world tour, the only ones, I think it's five are outside of, of the US. Mm-hmm. And then Brian Hayes tweeted, imagine being on the live tour and watching Tiger, JT and Rory roll birdies on the 18th at Riviera and thinking, well, guess I got a big match against the range goats tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. It's a completely different. <laughs> oh, duh, yeah. Now, before we move past all of the week's news, Eamon Lynch reported that a judge in California has ordered the Saudi Investment Fund mm-hmm. and its head to produce documents and be deposed in Live versus the PGA. Yeah. He's rejected immunity claims, saying they don't have to apply. Failure to comply, which is widely expected, Mm -hmm. will have a hugely negative impact on Liv's legal prospects. Now, I've heard a couple other people discuss this. There's a clear indication that if they can't get that reversed, Mm -hmm. they'll just drop the case. There's no way the head of the Saudi... No. Public Investment Fund is going to give evidence only, in a U.S. court and be deposed. Yeah, there's only so far the Saudis are going to allow that to go. And uh, 
I can't see that with all the attorneys that they're going to have, that they're not going to appeal that, they're not going to try and step aside it, whatever. Uh, I, I don't think it's dead in the water yet. I don't but think it's dead it's in not, the water It's not yet, a good start for them. Yeah. I think it's well on the way yep. to being dead in the water because yep. that is the one thing they are not going to do. They are not going to turn up with their documents, turn up with their contracts, turn up to show that they actually, you know, breached, you know, the contracts of PGA and, players and what they told them, what they I, told them. And I would say that there would probably be a few of the live golfers who'd be quite pleased that they don't subpoenaed to 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 an American court. I think there'll be a lot of the live golfers would be very glad if this thing went away yes, completely. Absolutely. Especially Phil, I think. <laughs> well, we know, we know Phil's already got another big worry coming down he the has. track. Yes, and, young uh, Billy Walters. Billy Walters, book. if you'd like to appear on a podcast based out of Northern Ireland, we would happily, we'll yeah. give you whatever length of episode you would like. Yes, yes. Um, but uh, that would be... That's, that's another story. <laughs> that's for another day. That's the advantage of a podcast. You keep coming yeah. up with new things to talk about. So with all of that information that we've just unloaded, that is the backdrop of the week that Full Swing, the Netflix documentary, dropped and all eight episodes became available. Now, Twitter was very vocal on this subject as soon as it all dropped and people started giving their opinions on pretty much every podcast is reviewing Full Swing. So, here we are as a podcast. What are we about to do for the next while? We're going to Mm. review the first four episodes Yeah. yeah, and then... So tonight's episode, we're actually entitling tonight's episode Two Men and a Full Swing Review, Part 1. Yes, yes. That indicates there will be a Part 2. Uh, I'm sure young young Mark, you, you watched it, did you? Yes, I've watched it all. Yeah. Do you know what stunned me was the timing they had, obviously, to do this for the year, basically 2022, when so much was going on. But the Well, they timing, did get very lucky. But the timing of their stories... You know, Matt Fitzpatrick, JT and uh, Jordan Spieth. Yeah. And, you know, those sort of things. The timing is unbelievable. I, I, well, the I, timing is, but my understanding was originally they'd picked about 16 players. Yeah. And not all 16 have made it in no. in any detail. And there were there have been, and well, we'll come to the individual bits on this. If you want stats, young Martin. Yeah. Uh, there was over 700 hours of filming between 60 and and 70 interviews. And actually, when it was released last Wednesday, by Friday, it was the second most watched show on Netflix in America. Yeah. And it's no surprise. It topped the charts in GB and Ireland. Yeah. Netflix. It is It is absolutely no surprise. Interestingly, because you have watched when we've gone away on tour and I have filmed yeah. for our, our little tour. I produce about a one hour uh-huh. to an hour and a quarter Length yes. of film for each of our tours. And how many, how yes. many hours of film do you think I have to do that? <laughs> young, young Mark, you'd know better. You were in the house probably. <laughs> yeah, um, I certainly remember from a lot of holidays growing up as well, the amount <laughs> of film that was taken to produce these films uh, as well. But yes. uh, You know, so you do take an awful lot of stuff and a lot of stuff yeah, ends in yeah, the cutting room yeah. floor. But before we get into the specifics, and I'll give you each the chance to do this, what's your over... And we'll start, Des, I think we should start with young, young Mark. Yes. Uh, and, and just see from his demographic. What's your overall impression of the show? Is it detailed enough for you? Is it too detailed? Is it accessible enough? Is it interesting enough? As a casual golf fan, what did you think? 
So I, pro- I probably have two reactions. M- my initial reaction, so I flew through the whole thing in about uh, two days. Which means we, it, was we, keeping, we, it was keeping your we, interest. We, we watched two episodes together, actually, at a point in time. Um, my initial reaction straight away was that I really enjoyed it. I devour, personally devour, uh, sports documentaries. You know, I enjoy really any doc- documentary on any sport that comes out. The more I've had a chance to reflect on it, however, I've I've questioned a couple of things with it. And... Look, what do these documentaries try and show? They try and show the personal side, the behind the scenes, family side that you don't necessarily get to see. They humanize these sort of icons that I, that we all uh, look up to, and then then they try and marry that with the the live sport element. On reflection, I think they do both things decently well, but they don't really do one of them very well. For me, from from a personal point of view. <laughs> I, I get the family side of things and seeing the behind the scenes and seeing the houses and different things like that and speaking to different people. I personally devour sport at a high end, so I wanted to see more of the likes of when Polder goes nuts in the locker room afterwards. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see, I thought it was going to be maybe that they were mic'd up on the course and mm-hmm. someone hits a bad shot and you hear the reaction or you hear the analysis of it. So for me, it probably lacked a little bit of the intimate detail of the actual sport. That was what I was looking yeah. for. But my initial reaction watching it was, and I said, I say again, I watched it in two days, all eight episodes. I really enjoyed it. I flew through it. But I do feel like I wanted a little bit more of the pure golfing side. But I also appreciate that's not going to attract every single viewer. Not every single viewer is like me in that regard. Yeah. I, 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 did you watch it with anybody by your side? I, wa- I watched two episodes with Dad and the rest were on Moon. Right. Okay. I, as you know, I was on holiday last week, Young Martin, and my good lady was off on our midterm break. And I, you have to give, when she's off, I got to give her time. And I kept saying to her, look, look I, I got to watch this because I'm going to do a podcast next week and I'm going to have to discuss it. She went, oh, we're going to see. So I put one on and it was actually the Matt Fitzpatrick one. And she watched it and she, she, at the end of it, she says, Let, well, what's the next one? Well, what's the next mm-hmm. one? <laughs> so and as you say, it, the sporting side wouldn't have appealed to her, didn't appeal to her. Yes. It was the background mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, uh, stories that, that what really caught her, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's that's interesting just to, to hear your, your, your thinking on it. Mm-hmm. I think when I reflect on it, it's the Chinese meal of sports documentaries. Okay. It's quite nice at the time, but a couple of hours afterwards, you're still hungry. <laughs> you're going to the wrong Chinese, Martin. Uh, yeah, I, I may well be. And it he may hasn't be. gone to many Chineses to make no, that I, reference. That to, even be fair, sure. to be fair, for me to attempt to use a food <laughs> reference is, yes. is quite impressive. Yeah. But I actually think it was incredibly superficial. Oh. The more I've reviewed it in my head, the more I've seen it's actually definitely, and I think Mark's made this point, it's fallen for me very much between two stools. Don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it and I watched every minute of it, but I'm left with far more questions than it answered, far more things that I think could have been dealt with better, uh, definitely two or three moments that are outstandingly fake that were purely for the camera and are no way genuine whatsoever. And we'll come back to those in a minute okay. when we look at a couple of the individual Sounds episodes. Like the, home, the home videos on holiday there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, some of them were very set up. And <laughs> but, but, but for me, when, when you watched it all through, 
as as golf nerds that you and I are, yes, there were, there were it lacked so much detail on lots of things. You know, for example, and my, my wife has also been watching it, and you know, she plays golf. And she said, I want to see more about how they prep for a tournament week. Yes. How they, how they actually, on, how does their day unfold? Yes. Show me what their day was, you know, uh-huh. from, from waking up because you're leading the Masters. You're waking up yes. at 8 or 8.30 or 9 o'clock in the morning because you couldn't really sleep because you're leading the Masters. But you're not teeing off to lunchtime. Uh-huh. What do you do? Yeah. What, yeah. what yeah. do you go and work out? Do you, how do you warm the muscles up? No episode really dealt with that. And the other thing she said was... I want to hear far more of the player caddy interaction. Uh-huh. I want I want to see a lot more about the situations they're in and how they're talked through or what they make a decision. Yes, is it just the player? Is it the caddy stepping in? Mm. I just felt they'd missed a lot of those opportunities, and I'll come especially in episode one, which we'll come to in a second. I thought they wasted something and put in something that was utterly completely irrelevant and in my world quite annoying. We'll we'll get to that but that's that's my overall impression. And don't get me wrong, I would love to sit and chat to Chad mom. Uh-huh. And and say why did you do, go this route? Why did you not go that route because he's a golfer. Yes. And he he's of interest. Actually, he was a scratch golfer from the age of 14. Yeah, there is a primary audience. And then you can put the fluff around it. But mm-hmm. the primary audience is golf fans uh, or even casual golfers who want a little bit more. But you see, what they were trying to appeal to was everybody. Exactly. And but I you mean, cannot do that. Well, I think you can because my wife was captured with it. And I think the example is the Formula One one where they have just captured a complete new audience and apparently a, a vast amount of people. And that is correct. And that worked who, who, for who, Formula who, One. Who, but I, I, I think it's working for for this one as well because my wife would never watch golf with me. And, I mean, I really had to sort of force her to, to watch a couple of episodes. Was duct tape involved? Uh, no, no. <laughs> and uh, she loved it. She loved, But what she did like was the background stories. With with sort of, you know, Brooks Kepka and his wife, and she was well involved, and even taking JT uh, to the last round of, of, of the Open before he won it, and uh, things like oh, that. the USPGA, even. Sorry, the USPGA. You know, but the fact that they had the cameras with him in the car uh, on the night before and the morning before it. And and what he was doing, and t- talking about his tea time being 135 or whatever. Yeah, but what, what did he do that morning? Well, they're not going to spend... Well, they, half they, an hour on what he's going to do that morning. No, but I, mean, I, I think that would have been a great storyline to, to say on the run into before you hit that first tee shot. What was your day like? I think I, I think you, what you need to consider here is so this is hopefully a season one of a multi-season program. So this is from the creators of the Formula One Drive to Survive. Yes. So I, I've watched that the whole way through in the new season of it's actually out this week. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best sport documentaries I've watched as a continual series. And in the first season, they don't have access to all the teams. Ferrari, Mercedes don't get involved because they obviously think this will be a one and done and it's out the window. So uh-huh. the first point I would make is access. How much access were they afforded? Were they How much access were they given? How much access did they push for? Mm-hmm. And then I think I understand where you're coming from, from your total golf fandom, being a golf nerd, everything you're talking mm-hmm. about. I'm a sports nerd. I might be a casual golfer, but I want to see the psychological turmoil that those guys are going through trying to hit 
the final green on the 18th and the whole process that goes into it purely from a performance and psychology point of view. But for me, the objective for them in the first season, whilst it doesn't necessarily appeal to me, I think is to bring in more fans generally to the game. Yeah. yeah. And my hope yeah. would be if they did a season two, that they would then refine and start to look at more of the details that maybe we all want to see. Yep. Basically what you're saying is season one is the start of their attempt to grow the game. I'm not saying they necessarily need to, <laughs> need to grow the game, but if it had been exactly what I wanted and what you wanted and uh, what Des has talked uh-huh. about as well, would it be number one in the G- GB in the UK or yeah. GB in Ireland, yeah. number two in America? Possibly. I'm not overly sure. I'm, I think it's drawn a lot of people in because of the way it's set up. Also because of live and everything has happened and that's yes. been in the news and everyone yes. wants to see that. I mean, their their timing is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Their timing on these things is unbelievable. Well, uh, of course, but I mean, very early on, even in the trailer, you get Poulter. His opening line is, "You picked a hell of a year to yes. decide to follow yes. the PGA Tour." Yeah, they marketed it very well, to be fair. But I mean, the, the, yeah. the, the people they followed, you know, Tony Fina, in in he, he just does never won. And then he he wins back to back, you know, and they follow him, Matt Fitzpatrick. I mean, that one there, timing on that was unbelievable. Somebody said, and Matt's episode isn't in tonight's discussion specifically, but somebody said if Matt Fitzpatrick hadn't won the US Open, there would have been no Matt Fitzpatrick episode. No, because no. when you t- start talking about the rest of it, but let's let's jump in then and 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 look at a couple of episodes and a couple of the things that you know, I took out of them or you guys took out of them. And so episode number one is all about, I think it was called Frenemies. Frenemies, yeah. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. Uh, it's all about Jordan and JT. Now, personally, I, I like their friendship and I like their competitive rivalry. Yes. And I, I do like, a wee bit of banter, And yeah. I, I like both players. Yes. I thought that episode had... You know, to get us up and running, it had some decent storytelling. Yes. There was a juxtaposition of, of actual dates and various things. And uh-huh. as somebody else said... You didn't like. You didn't like the way they portray it. You wanted it, I think, to be more linear through the golfing season. You didn't like the way it jumped about, you told I me. Understand, uh-huh. I understand why they did it, um, because I've heard a couple of interviews, and it was really because of how they were following the stories, and it was building storylines around players rather than building mm-hmm. a storyline around the PGA Tour schedule. Mm-hmm. But... I think they could have done it slightly it, differently. I mean, every episode is a story about a golfer or two golfers. Mainly, normally two. Two, ex- yeah. two episodes are really yeah. stories about one. Yeah. There's, a, there's a couple that get presented about two and then one guy just Dominates. disappears into the distance. <laughs> That's the right. other one dominates. Yeah. But I mean, the one thing I liked about that first episode with uh, JT and Jordan Spieth was learning about their, uh, their youth uh, and their young rivalry from when they were 12, 13, 14. And, uh, and and Jordan sort of giving him a bit of stick about, oh, I've, you've only won major, you know, and, and I've, I've got three. three, you know. And in that year, then, what does JT do? He goes and wins another major to bring it to 3-2. Again, the timing I just can't get over. It. It's, it's spectacular. Well, I think it is spectacular. Um, and I do think that the whole thing about that, yes, I get all of that. And that, that I quite liked. And I really quite liked... Uh, watching Justin Thomas work with his dad, Mike Thomas, and I liked seeing the emotion when yeah. he won and yeah. with the family. Get all of that. Mm-hmm. And that was a nice start because they're two very popular players. There was nothing in there about uh, Jordan Spieth and Greller, his caddy's relationship, because those two are two of the most vocal on tour. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. Jordan never stops talking. And on top of that, don't forget who's Justin Thomas's caddy. Who's Justin Thomas's caddy? It's Bones. Bones, yeah. yeah. And Bones is an absolute yeah. legend. But there was, and I mean, you go back to the point you made, uh, Mark, about uh, I thought there was quite a few cases where they did have the caddy... Um, but not Mike, in this episode. Not in that episode, but there was other episodes where they did have them mic'd up and they, they were coming across. It was the Joel Damon episode especially. Yes, the yes. Was very yeah. prominent. That, was, that was very good. Well, well, well he, he's episode four and we will uh-huh. get to him shortly. Okay. <laughs> okay, what didn't you like about episode one? Because I had one particular gripe about episode one and something that wound uh, me up intensely. It's not, it's not like your dad yeah. to have a gripe. <laughs> no, um, my, my gripe is more, I'm just, I don't, I don't enjoy Jordan Spieth at all. Um, I never, I never have. I know you have liked him. He just, I don't know. There's something about him. He strikes me as that mate you have, who's your mate, but not really your mate when he needs to be. To be honest, and just, I, I, I like Justin Thomas a lot. Um, I'm probably completely wide of the mark with Jordan Spieth, but I find that episode very. I actually remember cheering at the end of it when JT wins the major, mainly uh-huh. as a. Uh, two fingers to yeah, Jordan Spieth, to be honest. Back of the head, so, uh, and yeah. I don't know why. I've just uh, maybe yes. it's because he, when he burst on the scene, he was rivaling Rory and things like that as well. But just I, mm-hmm. I find him. I, he looks like the type of guy that, on a personal level, I would struggle to connect with. <laughs> well, that's so. that's a very interesting no, viewpoint. Well, I want to hear Mister Griper. What, what, okay. what's, your, what's your gripe? The private jet scenes uh, when they're on the private jet yes. and they're. They're, they're spending time watching them do pointless gambling. The turn of a card for a thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. I just thought, and they set up their, they set up a practice okay. game, don't they? And I can't remember what they call it. Oh but yeah, no, that that was at least a wee bit more interesting because they're playing it's still for big money. But yeah. it was hundred dollars here, two hundred dollars yeah. there. But it was on the plane. A turn of a card for a thousand dollars. That actually just struck me straight off the bat. One of the the, the key things about the, the the story in all of this is the PGA Tour is a meritocracy. You've got to make the cut. You've got to earn. It's tough out here, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then you're throwing away $1,000 a turn mm-hmm. as you fly mm-hmm. home in a private jet. Yeah. yeah. And you tell me one regular scene at any point in the series where you had the cameras follow somebody who had to fly commercial. <laughs> Well, there's, a, there's a comment in one of the episodes, and I can't remember who it is, but he says we don't all fly, fly private, uh-huh. and that's yes, been yes, coming. Yes, quite a yes. few of the players have come out and actually said, "Yeah, you know, they didn't follow any of us. That that we don't all fly." Well, it's private. funny. The one thing that did annoy my lady wife was uh, Poulter taking his private jet home, and that's an episode that's three. three. I know it is. We're going to say that, but you're but absolutely just, right. I, that that is one of the few things that actually. Do you know what that flight cost? No. They predicted that on one of the other podcasts they were debating this. They reckon that flight to fly transatlantic in a private jet carrying those simply. Let me guess. Let me guess. And I mean, you're at about three, four, five passengers. Uh, no, they're, they're the family, the six. Yeah, yeah. Five, five of them plus somebody 350K. else. 350K. No, I you're was, too high. No, 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 it's no. 150. No. I, I was going to say 50. But, but if you think flying out of Orlando, yeah. if you went first class British Airways yeah. back to London, it would be about between five and seven grand a ticket. So five yeah, tickets, 35 yeah, grand. Yeah, yeah. And that's you, that's you flying first class. Mm-hmm. So you're actually talking 150 grand. And I'll come back to that because I, I just think that was, it, it was shown in several places. Mm. But, so that was episode one. Episode two, 
is really focuses on Brooks Kepka and Scotty Scheffler. Now, yes. if that's not the standout episode of the series, I I will debate yeah. that it, it's right up there. No. But it's not the standout episode for the reason anybody really thinks. Yeah. I think Brooks was it was it was a very good view that one Brooks and I think I was pleasantly surprised at the honesty of Brooks and his fitness and his body and you know <laughs> has he got anything left I mean it just was not was that what I was expecting uh from Brooks to be honest with you okay it was a very interesting study of his battle to understand why his game wasn't where it was Two years previously, yeah. not even from a physical standpoint, it was, I hesitate to say the lack of understanding, because he obviously does have an understanding of it, but the the lack of a connection to get the mental side back again, like there's, I think there's a line where he ju- he's almost saying he just doesn't understand why he's not able to replicate what he's done previously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And talking from a general sports point of view, that's more damaging than a physical ailment. Once you get that mm. mental yes, yes. battle that starts within your head, that's very, very hard to get rid of, especially when you've been as successful as he was yeah, yeah. over a period of time. And, I mean, if you extend that even a bit further into where he is now and playing the live and playing the other tournaments and not making cuts and... Well, he's won one tournament, apparently. He did on live, yes. And, uh, but there, is a, there was a little... Article posted this week by uh, actually our friend Alan Chipnock, who, uh-huh. who is saying that is Brooks the one suffering yes. most from buyer's remorse? Yes, yes. And can he find his way back to the PGA Tour? He realizes yep. he's made a huge error that he's not going to recover his his skills or his reputation yeah. playing and live. But, well, look, he obviously decided to go to live. Do you think he's de- he decided originally to go to live? Because obviously he can go, he can make his money there, there's not as much pressure. Has that mental battle that has been going on inside his head, did he truly not believe he couldn't get back to winning on the PGA Tour? And then mm-hmm. he thought, well, I've got this live opportunity, I'll yeah. go and give yeah. that a go. Yeah. Not yeah. a cop-out, so to speak, but a easier move. Well, we have previously reported a couple of people who have said... Brooks Kepka sold his business at the top of the market before mm-hmm. anybody realized that yeah, uh, its yeah. main asset was broken. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, he sold it out and got his brother paid as well. But what I took out of the episode is very much what you've said, Mark. Brooks comes across as someone who cannot understand or accept his loss of form. Mm-hmm. He really can't do that. However, he, he showed me very little evidence that he was prepared to work his way through to find a solution. I mean, he spent a bit of time sitting on a couch telling his mum, I can't beat these guys. I can't beat these guys every week. They're too good. I can't do it. And to me, he came across as a bit of a quitter. Uh-huh. Now, that, that's that, that's, that's I, odd to say for somebody who's won is, four majors. But yes. I, I actually thought there was very little fight in the man. No, there wasn't any fight in the man. And and that was, you and, know, and then he said very famously in, in it, he said, what do you think Scotty Scheffler's thinking about at night? Nothing. <laughs> He's having to think about nothing. Yeah. And, it's got and, a dartboard and, with Brooks's face on it. Yeah, just like, <laughs> I know, but I, I just think, I actually think the guy, he came across as somebody who's got mental health issues. Yes, yes. Does, well, does, I, does I would worry about you, him. Does it strike you as someone that has had quite a linear path to the top where everything has got steadily better yeah, and yeah. he's hit a first major setback and he doesn't have the tools. He had a bad start. He didn't get onto the PGA Tour straight away. He had to fight his way on. He went via Europe and he fought his way on and then he he, he got 
great success and suddenly had won four majors. And he was phenomenal in that period. And he could hole from anywhere. He said, I was the best putter from eight feet, ten, ten feet in the world for a period of time. And now, now he can't, and he can't understand it. I do think there's a couple of other very entertaining moments around it. And, and you shouldn't be entertained by this, but I was. One, is that not the most soulless house well, you've ever you, seen? You've stole my line here because my <laughs> wife said, that is a stunning piece of property and a stunning wife. But he's a loner, and I went. Yeah, I don't know if he is or not. But that's what came across to sure. my wife. You There's know? a random swing in the middle of the house as well that he sits on at one point. Yeah, yeah. that's right. I, I didn't. Right. I didn't really get that. Uh-huh. And the, the other thing is, I do think, and there was a moment where Jenna, his uh, his now wife, said, "When I got together with Brooks, well, how did I get in? Well, I slid into his DMs, which is into his direct messaging Good. to get to know him. She targeted him." And then, and he was so positive and everything was on the up. She didn't look like she was a girl who fancied too much of life going down. No, no. And I also think that's another reason he sold out because I think he needed to know that the money was secured because there's a certain lifestyle involved. The juxtaposition in the episode (laughs) to Scotty Scheffler going out for coffee, as somebody said, Scotty Scheffler hasn't walked home from the coffee shop in Texas ever. (laughs) <laughs> with the wife, but they were walking along happily, having yes, a cup of yes, coffee together. Yes. And when you watched Scotty ride his wave of what he was winning, yeah. and but the ex- nerves he exhibited before the final round of the Masters showed just how much it all meant. But his family, and particularly his caddy, Ted Scott, talked to him and just said, listen, win or lose, it doesn't matter. Your life's way more important about a whole pile of things. Nothing changes in your life if you win today or you don't win today. Yes, yes. That's the difference. I think, and I mean, I'm putting it in a, in a slightly spiritual way, uh, this next bit, but, you know, Scotty trusts in a higher power to guide him home. Brooks looks like a man who doesn't have any ability to know where his place in the world is or, 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 or anything about it. He is devoid of, I mean, the house is soulless, I they, suspect. Yes. The complete opposite uh, personalities. Yeah. You know, that's what came across in it. And it made Brooks out to be very sad. Uh, but that's what I thought. I yeah. thought it was a desperately sad yes. episode. It was. For, and for, that's for why, Brooks, as a yeah. standout episode, you know, you're saying, but is it is it the best example of exactly the toll mm. that top-level sport can yeah. take when yeah. it starts can to go do. wrong? Can do. And it's interesting now, as Alan Shipnock is saying, is, is Brooks quitting live? Ooh. I don't know, but uh, he may well, if, especially if his game comes back, he will regret not being in, yeah. in amongst it. On that, uh, Greg Norman's son replied on Twitter. Oh? With just B.S. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair yeah. enough. Yeah, but that, that came from Greg or somebody associated with Greg, so let's be honest. There have been a few. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Do you know the way he used to be referred to as uh, the Great White Shark? Yeah. Yeah, he tells great big... Great white lies. Oh, <laughs> boom, boom. You, you've burned your old uh, Greg Norman polo shirts you used to have in the house, haven't you? Well, there was Ceremon- a en- ceremonial burning out the back. No, there, there, was an, there was an energy crisis. It was important <laughs> to keep the family warm. Turn to episode three, the Poulter episode. Mm. Nine. <laughs> okay. This is, as I've, I have a note here, this was definitely the most staged episode of the whole yes, season. Yes, yes. You see, the, you talked about the club throwing in the locker. Yeah. Rim. Never, never, never genuine. 
don't think so. all because the cameras were there. Do you need me to throw the cameras? Yeah. Did you get that? Oh, I'll throw the clubs again. Are you sure it didn't come across that way? Oh, it did. Yeah. Oh, It, it came across to me like speakings. he was someone that could do that fairly quickly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you, but I think the but fact that he... Would you do it knowing that actually you'd been followed by the cameras, you knew they were there. I don't know. I've, would, been, I've would, been pretty angry at times in sport, yes. and I probably would. Yeah. I don't. I think I think Poulter, because Poulter knew that what was going on, and Poulter knows where the cameras were at all times, and he set out to be the most interesting and engaging that he could be. Take yeah. a look at his interviews. Yeah. Yeah. Brought you into the family, sat down, showed the kids, yep. did the whole yep. thing. He clearly knows he wants to be the one to drop the big live reveal. Uh-huh. That was him. Uh-huh. That was yes. his his yes. job was to drop the fact that he was going to go to live. Yeah. And, and it was interesting, the questioning of, uh, are you going to live? And how he sort of dragged that out quite a bit. And then looked at the camera and gave yeah. them, they think, no, the don't thing. forget, editing can go a long way to make Oh, of course, of course, of course, of course, yeah. Great. No, like, I thought it was that episode was about Poulter trying, basically, to save his game and lifestyle. Yeah, it, it was uh, about, Poulter, Poulter made a decision. I don't know the exact point at which Poulter was approached. Yeah. None of us do. No. But what I do know is... You see when Poulter didn't make it to the Masters? Yeah. And at that, do you think he already knew he was going to live? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Don't probably, if, he didn't, if he didn't know then, I'd say his decision came pretty quickly. I would say so, yeah. yeah. So that, that could have made his decision, and, yeah. You yeah. know, he, he wasn't yeah. going to yeah. go to, he didn't get into the US Open, and uh-huh. by then he, but, you know, here I am back, I just happened to be back in England with the family, yeah. having spent 150 grand to fly them here in a private jet. Yes. Oh, and by the way, Centurion's just down the road, and there's a live event on, and I'm not <laughs> actually <laughs> invited to the US <laughs> Open. So I popped on there for a guaranteed pity, because, you know, I'm a contractor, and I have so, to actually, I think I know what your opinion two, is. He's got two equally big houses to pay for, to be fair, mm-hmm. based on seeing both of them. Uh, look, Poulter is a multimillionaire. He has been for many, many years. He's a collector of Ferraris. He can fly private. He can bring the family private. He obviously has plenty of money. And to be fair but, to Poulter, Poulter is, to me, the player who has capitalised on his mediocre talent the best. And when I say mediocre, don't get me wrong, he's a he's yeah, been a yeah. top 50 player no, but he's in the world. Not, he's not a major winner. And he's not a major winner. He His his reputation is the Ryder Cup. That's all it is. Yeah, and he's yeah. won some great tournaments. But yeah. he's, he, you know, that's, that's it. He's he's pulled a very average talent in world terms to sustain a great career. And fair play to him. Well, yeah. But he's got a lifestyle he needs to fund. Yep. And, and the only way he was going to get paid anymore was going to live. He could have sat and waited for three years to get to the uh, Champions Tour. Mm. You see, the two things that stood out for me with him was, uh, I agree with your point that I thought the move to live was purely to fund a lifestyle that he is now used to and has to continue to pay for. And actually the thing that struck me with the second one wasn't any or wasn't any regrets regarding leaving the PGA Tour or not getting to play in the Masters or anything like that. The only thing that he seemed to really consider for not joining Liv was he obviously desperately wants to be Ryder Cup captain. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. he still believed in that, that he could be Ryder Cup yes, captain. Yes, yes. And, you know, who knows? Down there, there's no chance. No, there's no, there's no chance, chance now, but you, no. could see, you could see that was maybe the one thing that was potentially weighing on his mind. Oh, but well, I think I, he yeah. convinced himself... I think he actually convinced himself going to live that he still had a chance. Yeah, which was yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. That, that would have been before Henrik Stenson. Definitely episode. gone. Yeah. Here's the thing that also stood out in it all. Poulter did a lot of justifying 
of where he was going and the reason for it. And it's a business decision and you weigh these things up and you all the rest of it. <laughs> the live press conferences at Centurion, which they showed, remain some of the biggest car crashes <laughs> yes, of yes, 2022. Yes. <laughs> you looked at the, the various people on the podium and oh, Lee Westwood and Poulter yeah. and would you go play for Vladimir Putin? Putin and, yeah, and yeah. All, all the rest of it. They could not deal with it. No, they couldn't. They, they couldn't. did not. They suddenly realised, yeah. oh my goodness, we are rabbits in the headlights. But yeah. they were fed. They were fed to the sharks there as well. Yes, because they were. you would have thought that the first thing that would have been done is all the players brought into a room and said, right, not quite media training, but this is what you're going to get asked about. Yes. This is what you say. Yes, and then when it gets to the actual questions about golf, don't you know, think there was a lot of thought put into that. You're absolutely no. right, Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. they should have known after the first three guys were put up when yeah. Phil was put up. And and came out with the the classic, you know, rehabilitating the. We image. we we none of us here support human rights abuses, and and what happened to uh-huh. Shoggy was was dreadful. Yes, yeah, but you've gone to play for these people, uh-huh. and you're taking their money. You know, there, there yeah, there's there's a there's a real lack of connect. I bet, and but again, was. The directors there and Chad Mum were were they really trying to show the live players up? Because the question the questions they caught from the journalists asking them were probably the most poisonous questions that they, they ever had. And 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 most of well, the no, interviews. there was a lot more. Those interviews well, no, ran was. for a long time. I I think there is a very clear mandate in the agreement they have with the PGA Tour to get the access. Yeah, yeah. and the more this went on and the longer and what happened with Liv, mm-hmm. I genuinely believe that the PGA Tour said, you can do the Liv story, but you do not give them, you're not going to, you're not going to yep. give them yep. tons and tons of publicity. Yep. These guys are dead to us. Yeah. And it's the know, old adage, any publicity is good publicity. Correct. Yep. And yep. so the only Liv event you saw anything from was Centurion mm-hmm. and you didn't mm-hmm. see very much. Uh, in in terms of uh, golf or or anything like that, and you had none of the golf stories from Liv. Yeah, if you think yeah, about it, you yeah, only had the fact yeah. that players were moving, but you did you didn't have. And you know later on, yes, in that episode, you could see Poulter chatting to Pat Perez and Dustin Johnson and uh-huh. people who who did go. But yeah. in in real terms, they that kind of story almost petered out until, yeah. you, until you get to Rory. So that's a good point, actually. You're thinking the PGA maybe pressurised the directors to... I think they have said, you are here to yeah. do a story yeah. about the PGA yeah. Tour. Good point, and good point. Yeah. Usually on these documentaries as well, they obviously get shown a cut before and have the right to veto things. So yeah. you don't know what the original cut could have been surrounding that's, that's, Liv. That's true as well, and yep. yep. Because if you think about it, they didn't interview that many players. Now, I mean, Thomas Peters happened to get interviewed, but because he was sharing the house with Matt Fitzpatrick, but that was long before he'd made his decision. Yeah, yeah. So the ones that really got any airtime were Poulter, Dustin Johnson, mm-hmm. and... Mido Pereira. And Mido Pereira. Yep. And later yep. on. But I I thought the Poulter episode was far and away the most fake. And I, I'll stand by yes, that. Yes, I, I, I think I, I, I he was playing the game all the way he through. He was playing the game. And he knew That's he knew. Oh, he, he was, was definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, the last episode we're going to kind of critique tonight because we're going to take, uh, it would be far too long a podcast for us to go through and do all eight episodes tonight. So the last episode we're going to look at tonight is episode four, which is the Joel Damon and Gino Benali episode, player and caddy. 
etc. But again, what do you reckon, Dave? Well, again, I just take my hat off to uh, to the directors that 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 their timing is unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a guy, Joel Damon, when they picked him up, uh, the, he was seventieth. He was he was ranked seventieth in the world. Why? Why would you bring him up? But but how? But that, I think that, he, he he don't forget that episode starts with him and Harry Higgs on the sixteenth. Yes, yes, yes. And sure he had enough. he had wound Harry Higgs up to if you hold it or anything, you got to take out the shirt off. Yeah. And uh, you know when Harry flicked the shirt up, Joel just went to be supportive <laughs> yes, and yes. took his shirt off and whipping no, it around his head. Joel's my sort of guy. I mean, he knows how to enjoy himself and he doesn't take it too seriously. How he's still on on the, the tour, I do not know. Um, I, with his attitude. I mean, you take that attitude to the attitude of all the other pros that were being filmed on it, you know? Yeah. But, I mean, again, I just go back to uh, how many did they follow that we didn't see? There must have been, there must have been 20 other stories well, that, there. That's that the didn't thing is there's a, there's a whole pile of because stories there. that Joel Dalman was just, again, perfect timing. I loved, I loved his line at the start, wasn't it? Um, when he's hosting a party in his back garden and he says, uh, "What I can't remember, he's talking about some other player, but he goes, someone might as well be 70th in the world and it, was, it might as well be me. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you know, yes, he's, yes. he's more than comfortable in his own skin oh, and is, who he, he is. is. I um, think he's a good attitude, you know. He's a good attitude for life, maybe not for professional PGA he, golf. He, does, he doesn't strike me. So from a sporting point of view, I enjoyed it in terms of getting to know who yes, he was. Yes. Every single person that's made it to the very top has had to sacrifice something. Yeah. And I don't think he, based on that one episode and the insight into his life, I don't know if he has that in him uh-huh. to do uh-huh. that, to make the top. That was what I took away yeah, from it. Yeah. So I, I enjoyed him in terms of he sounds like a guy I'd like to have a beer with. Exactly. And he'd be exactly. good crack in that regard. Yeah. But if I was connected to him in terms of being a coach or a caddy or oh, something like that, I think the attitude would oh, frustrate me nightmare. greatly. Did you watch him and when he and the wife went to work out with their personal trainer? Yes. yes. And the personal trainer basically trying to, oh, come on, just give me something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, it was... Uh, Did you see in that episode, they talked about that Gino Bonali had applied. He, they'd been friends since junior school. Yeah, yeah. And his caddy, yeah. his caddy, I wrote him a letter. Yeah, he wrote him the uh, email and applying officially applying for the position of Joel Damon's caddy. And he, he, he said that you know he'd believed in him since he was a youngster that he, he would make it. So here's a couple of the paragraphs from this particular email. Last time we spoke, you said something along the lines of it's not as fun as you think it is. I don't think you realize how much I love golf, everything about it. It literally consumes my thoughts. I promise you that no one would work harder than I would. I will be at the course earlier than everyone. I will be a charting, documenting machine. I feel like you and I have the type of relationship which would be a good fit. You're one of my best friends, and I feel I can express my opinions and concerns to you. Then he went on to say, You and I also talked about how caddying full-time on the web.com tour may not be a viable option. I think I could make it work. I know Bob is going to caddy in Mexico and South America, but when you return to the US, I would like you to consider me being your guy. I already have a plan to get rid of my truck and buy a Honda Civic and modify it to be my house. Yes. Which he did, by the way. I have also looked at the schedule and know that there are some weeks where it is over a thousand miles to the next location. That's okay. That's only 16 hours and $125 (laughs) in gas. Easy. (laughs) 
I know there would be a lot of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in my future, but I have a way of surviving on nothing. I made it through college. If you would prefer that I only attend a couple events, that's fine too. But I think it's best for our partnership if I were to be able to learn your game and how you like to practice, learn the courses as much as I can. Then he talks about the hardest bit for him would be being away from his family. Mm-hmm. You know, because he That's has dedication. his kids as well. But here's the bit that I really liked. I do have some requirements from you, though, if you consider me for this. I expect you to give 100% every week, never give up, and be completely honest with me at all times. You don't have to hire me if you don't want to, but as long as you are successful, happy, and come home to play golf with me every once in a while, I will be a happy camper. Uh-huh. I think that is stunning. That's that is that total dedication. Thing, yep. that, 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 where he sets out the reason of what he would do to be part yeah, of it yeah, yeah. and go with his yeah. pal. And they are one of the great double acts. And that's why that episode for me, episode four, might have stood out as being the episode that I liked the best. Yes. I still yes. think the Brooks episode was maybe the most enlightening. Uh-huh. Although there's an episode in our part two uh-huh. that is, is quite good as well. But in reality, I think those two will have made more fans yeah. than yeah. anybody else from the show. I, I think if you've if you've gone in as a casual golfer yes. Yes. or in, in your wife's case yeah. and said, yep. I bet you if she saw that episode, yep. she would go, I like those two. That's absolutely, and I mean, this is where I think they they're appealing to so many audiences, uh, as we we spoke earlier about it. And I think that's the great thing about it. That's why I'm hoping there'll be another series coming up. Oh, I know? think there will oh, be I another series. This is this is so popular. They, they tend to base their decisions off viewership, and if it's tracking yeah. the way it is, oh, I'd be yeah. shocked if yeah. they didn't do yeah. Yeah. another one. To be honest, I ended up thinking that eight episodes at one hour an episode was actually. A bit tight. I think they could have easily had ten or twelve episodes and not lost too much of the the credibility. Yeah, although, and I don't even think they were. No, I think they were only about 45, 50 minutes. You know, I think they were about fifty, but yeah. then with recaps and various. But things. again, I mean, I think that's just a nice uh, timing. Uh, where again, I think they've got it right. Uh, you don't make episodes too long. Don't make them too short. You know, that's just nice timing and um, brilliant. I just. Fantastic watch, really is. Do you see when we were talking about access earlier on in the year, there is hardly any time at all spent at the Masters in terms of, like the US PGA gets the most screen time out of any, and obviously, you'll speak about it in part two, you know, it's around the Open Championship at St. Andrews, etc. But that's something, you know, if we're thinking about that access issue, maybe, and hopefully there is a second season of it, and it's proved its popularity, you would get, because I know something I was really looking forward to was trying to see him behind the scenes of the Masters and things, and I felt it was a wee bit I think lacking the Masters, in that area. They, I think they were lucky to get in year one the access to the Masters they got, because yeah, the Masters yeah. guard, yeah. I mean, years ago, wasn't it, Johnny Miller got thrown off the CBS team because he, he described the greens as being shaved like a somebody's bikini line. And the Masters didn't like that, and he was asked to, you know, basically yes, step yes, away yes. from the coverage. Uh, hence, if you watch the, yes, the Masters proud. coverage and you watch Jim Nance uh, in the Butler cabin, it is, you have never seen politeness uh-huh, like it. Uh-huh. It is at a different level. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree with you. I would love to have seen more of that, but I think they got as much coverage as yeah. they were ever going to get on that. Certainly, you could not see the Masters trusting Netflix 
to free access uh, no, right no, on on no, year one. No, no, not a chance. No, they and they definitely would have wanted to view it before it absolutely. Aired. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, we have had a bit of a debate about the first half of uh, the uh, full swing. There are another four episodes, and we're going to split our discussion on this into two episodes to allow you listeners some opportunity to to have some time off between listening to part one and part two. So uh, we will be back very, very shortly. We'll do another update programme and we'll then cover the other four episodes from Full Swing. I think it would be safe to say that everybody in the studio this evening definitely. would like to see a second series. series yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And we think they could learn a little bit after season one. From Martin. I'm sure Martin will be on, will well, be on the, the panel. It's going, it's going to be an interesting podcast when Poulter comes on and has to listen to uh, yeah. Martin's I don't think, thoughts on his episode. I don't think Ian Poulter will ever uh, come on our podcast. But I'm very optimistic Chad Mum may yet come on and actually yes. have a chat with us. They've done a great job. The quality of the production's great. I liked some of the music drops. I think some yes. of the other people uh, have said they're not really golf-related and uh, maybe not. But I, I think there are a number of things. There are questions I would like to ask the producer as to why they went a certain way. Wh- wh- why didn't you follow through on certain other things? There are certain player caddy relationships and all of that. As a keen golfer, he must have... Well, he's had the access to it. Yeah. And as they say, there's so much stuff on the cutting room floor. There, that sort oh, of access gorgeous. must be there. But we are going to come back fairly, very shortly and uh, do part two, where we'll tidy up uh, season one of Full Swing. But uh, for this evening, my name is Martin. Um, my name is Des. My name's Mark. And we'll see you all very shortly on another episode of In the Footsteps of Giants. If you've enjoyed this episode of In the Footsteps of Giants, please hit the subscribe button from wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you'd like to leave us a good review, that would be most helpful as well. And if you'd like to interact with the podcast, please use our Twitter feed, which is at itfog podcast, and we'll happily deal with any queries or suggestions that you might uh, like to give us for future episodes. <laughs>